This is your host, Natalie Allport, and welcome to the All In Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Maggie A. Watt, a functional sports medicine practitioner and the owner of Elevate Functional Sports Medicine. If you are curious about, you know, the science of nutrition, gut health, uh, high performance, mental health, and how your gut brain connects, this is is your podcast. We nerd out on all of these things and we start off with her background, why she does what she does and how she enjoys working with the population that she does. We get into, you know, modern medicine and how that works and how what she does differs as well as how she does testing and biomarkers and the importance of getting some of these tests done, including blood tests um, and things like this. We get into gut health and we really dive into this as well as tips for anyone on things that they can do to improve their gut health. We talk about athlete recovery and inflammation. We talk about overtraining. We talk about different types of nutrition and diets, supplementation, and some just general advice for those who are seeking high performance physically and mentally. I really enjoyed this podcast, especially as an athlete who really cares about getting those 1% improvements around my energy, around my training, around my recovery, around my mental health. I really enjoy learning about those kind of things, and I hope that you do as well. I know that there was a ton of value packed into this episode that can help anyone with the way that they eat, the way that they uh, train, the way that they look at their wellness in general and holistically. So I hope that you enjoy this podcast, and without further ado, Let's go all in. Maggie, welcome to the podcast and thanks so much for coming on. Hey, Natalie, thank you so much. I'm super excited about this conversation. We were just talking offline quickly and I was saying how, uh, especially as a CrossFit athlete, but um, just in general, I love diving into the topics of anywhere where we can talk about mental and physical performance and nutrition and sports science and all those kind of things. Um, so could you give a brief overview of your background, You know who you are, what you do and why you do it? So yeah, so brief background. Um, I was a, excuse me, a nurse for about 16 years and I decided to advance my practice and go back as a nurse practitioner. So, um, now, um, I have my own uh, company called Elevate Performance Medicine, um, where I just specialize in working with athletes and optimizing their health and performance. And, you know, honestly, the reason why I went into this is because, um, I myself have this athlete mindset, meaning, you know, I, I love to train and I didn't really get into that until later on in my life. A lot of people ask me, you know, what sport I played and I did not have that opportunity actually as a child or an adolescent, I had a lot of responsibilities, um, that I had to attend to. And so I was not given that opportunity. And so When I got into my late 20s, I was able to, you know, find more strength and conditioning and kind of more in that in that I hate to say CrossFit, but in that specific area of sport. And I just completely fell in love with it. And um, uh, where Elevate Performance really was born was because I found, you know, working in the clinic that we were just not looking, especially with athletes, we weren't looking at um, that this is a person that's under a lot of uh, burnout and a lot of, you know, stress and, and their health is just different than the majority of the population. So like, I know Natalie, like take it just, you know, you and I, I mean, I mean, for me, I'm not a pro athlete and uh, you know, our, our healthcare right now, it's just really um, a lot of it just really oversees and overlooks a lot of things because we only have 15 minutes, you know, for each patient. And I just, I got criticized when I would spend more time with my patients. And I was like, you know what, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I want to be able to spend two, three hours with my patient and not feel like I'm rushed because there's a lot of things that, that they're coming in, not just for, either maybe pain or injury, anything like that, but there's also some mental stuff that they want to talk about. And so I wanted to really just 
create something where it was very special, where I'm able to have a relationship with my client, oversee all their health. And uh, so that's, that's just, that's the gist of it. <laughs> that's, that's super cool. And I think that's so important with what health, like where health care is at, like you mentioned, like up here in Canada, for example, we have free health care. A lot of people think that means the best health care. And right. it's, it's not true. For example, I've been waiting for a shoulder MRI and because everything in the past year was canceled with the lockdowns, anything non-essential, now everything's super backed up. And so in, in the States, I would be able to just pay out of pocket and go and get an MRI like the next day or the same day. Even I, we lived in the States for two years and my dad told me, he's like, yeah, same day I got an MRI um, versus here. That just wouldn't happen. doesn't matter if you pay extra, whatever it is. And it's a similar thing. Like I've noticed, especially after this, this pandemic, the experience I've had with doctors has been just the service level has been down. Um, and especially I think because, you know, they're, they're overwhelmed. Um, maybe they were like you, they wanted to spend more time, but now they're being pressured that they can't. Um, wow. And so it's just, the system is, is very difficult and there's, there's long wait times. There's um, the, you know, people are just kind of passing you in and out. One time I actually had a, a heart problem. I ended up going to the hospital and I said, Hey, my resting heart rate should not be like 90 beats per minute. Like this is not normal for me. And they made me wait all night, like six hours in the hospital because they didn't believe me. They said 90 is not triggering like our standards of like, Oh, this is really scary. And I was like, well, I'm telling you, this is not my normal as an athlete. My, my heart rate is like 40 high forties. That's what it usually is at. And they just like, didn't take that into account and just said, no, 90 for a normal person is like fine. And so then they didn't put any rush. And then in the end, I did have, you know, one heart issue. Um, and so it's just so crazy that those things happen and that those standards, you know, they don't take into account, you know, who you are, what you do. It's just like, ah, oh, we have a piece of paper and this is the upper limit and the lower limit and you fall in between. So you should be fine. Right. And that's, and that's the thing is, is how can I, you know, when I look at these labs and when I look at things that come back to me, how is this in optimal range, not normal range? Because what's normal is that we've taken the whole, um, you know, we've taken just everybody's normal and just really meshed it all in one uh, scale. And, um, and the cool thing about, you know, uh, especially with functional medicine is seeing the person as an individual that every single person is normal, is different based on, you know, their environment, their genetics, uh, their sport, you know, everything. Right. Yeah. That's super interesting. I, I recently saw a post that was going over the BMI of all the CrossFit games athletes mm -hmm. and the BMI is obese for most of the athletes. I know for myself, it would technically be yeah. overweight, but I'm like, yeah. I could not be further, <laughs> further from the truth, but it's so funny. I, there was actually, um, a CrossFit games champion. Um, I forget what year he, he won, but he went to his doctor and he was getting insurance and they said, no, your insurance premium is going to be, uh, whatever rate it was going to be super expensive because you are classified as obese. I just won the CrossFit games. I'm the fittest on earth this year. And wow. you're classifying me as, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it doesn't. And that's one of those things is that when seeing things on an individual basis, that's why, you know, with LA performance medicine, it is just something that I, that I really hold strong to. And I see everyone as an individual and, and not lump them all into, you know, one, one thing. So yeah, absolutely. that's nuts. It's so crazy. It makes uh yeah, it makes no sense. It doesn't, it doesn't at all. Yeah. And what's what I found also like quite interesting. So for example, I know you do a lot of blood biomarker testing mm -hmm. and um, I think it was I'm trying to remember how many years ago now, but I know there's a company called inside tracker and they do some, some generalized blood biomarker testing. They put, they have like an algorithm or something that, that puts you in, but it was interesting even to see those limits that they have, which I know aren't necessarily individual to the person, but they have them at least in athletic ranges. And it's so different than what my doctor would say. My doctor would say, Oh, you're normal for something. And then there it's like, mm, that's not optimal. If you want to compete in that certain sport that you're doing, or if you're, you know, dealing, they're like, Oh, you have this stress level. My doctor would just say, ah, oh, well, it's normal, but it's like, ah, oh, no, that could probably mean you're at higher risk for injury or different things. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about biomarker testing, um, the blood biomarkers and how that differs from like an athlete and then the general population. 
So, yeah, so absolutely. Um, and, you know, I really, to be honest with you, I look at, even if I were to have somebody that's not a pro athlete, I would look at their labs the same exact way. Like, how can I optimize, you know, their health, right? And um, I, I have heard of Inside Tracker before, and I go pretty much beyond that, which is I test also for um, gut health. Um, I test for uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, which is, you know, performance and where also life happens within the cell um, and uh, things like also cortisol and, you know, adrenal problems that tends to happen, um, especially, you know, in the endurance uh, athlete setting or in the CrossFit setting that there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, stress through overtraining uh, syndrome. So I pretty much go beyond that. Um, so just recently, for example, I had an athlete and I know vitamin D is a really big thing right now, but, um, you know, this guy is a, you know, a, a pro soccer player and he was running around on a vitamin D of 28. Um, and so, you know, I told him, I said, you can't run around with this, you know, vitamin D plays 2000 functions in our body, right? It's responsible for your, your bones, your muscles, your hormones, all that kind of thing. And so, I say, well, even though the range came back from the lab, 30 to 100 is normal. Um, you know, research says we got to be between 50 and 70. And so it's one of those things where, um, you know, looking at exactly um, those types of things and um, and really getting a lot more data, not just through blood, but also through urine and stool. I know that's not like a big, big thing. We were like, oh, poop. But you know what? It just tells us a lot about our health because that is really where our performance lies. And and we are more bacteria than we are human. You know, I tell people that and they just they're like that that's nuts. But that's where we make even our neurotransmitters like serotonin and GABA and things that, you know, that's responsible for fear and anxiety and for depression and our mental health. And so a lot of those things can't be seen just in a, you know, blood. It's got to, we've got to look at some other markers to really get a feel of the whole uh, uh, health of the athlete. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And the vitamin D has been a, a big thing. And even personally, I remember the first time my doctor told me like, you need to start taking vitamin D and it was probably like a decade ago. And she just said like, take like the lowest, I don't think she even said take a thousand. It was like even lower back then. And it did nothing. I came back a year later and it just didn't even move the needle. And I, I find that very interesting because the doctors, when it comes to supplements or anything, it's, they're very general, right? They're, they don't have a necessarily an expertise in certain things. And so they just say, okay, you're vitamin D deficient, take this. And like three years later, you still are at the same range. And so they don't take into account other things and why this vitamin D might not be staying in your body or um, that you should be so taking you absorbing it. Like, you know, look at your gut health and saying, why am I not absorbing these nutrients? I mean, right. you can be like the best sports nutritionist, but what's going on in your gut you know, that you're not absorbing this stuff. Mm, yes, that's very important. For example, like my, my grandma, she's from Venezuela. So being mm -hmm. that she's from this hot country, now she lives here in Canada, the yeah. sun is very different. Like when you research about why people have different co colors of skin, it's to absorb, you know, the vitamin D and things from the sun. And so I told my mom, I was like, is she taking vitamin D? Because I feel like she must be very deficient having gone from there to here. And the doctor just, she said, well, yeah, I just started talking to the doctor and she says she can take, you know, 1000. And I was like, I, I take like 6,000. I feel like she could probably take more, but people are also, they're scared to take things, I think. Yeah. And that's also one of the things that I ask is I ask about their heritage, you know, because that also goes back to, you know, nutrition, how you, how you eat, how we're supposed to be eating. Um, you know, we were once, I mean, I guess hunter and gatherers, like I'm middle Eastern. And so a lot of my family, they, they do a lot of obviously some meat and rice and bread and all that kind of thing. And then you're like, Oh, well, keto was like the best thing, but for my heritage and for my genetic you know, formality, it's maybe not the best thing. Right. So you got to take also that into account when you're looking at, you know, someone's history and taking that full history. 
That's that's such a good example. Like, for example, a lot of Southern American people are lactose intolerant. And so I know I am. And so I have to really like be aware uh, of that. And then uh, one time my, my grandma met one of my CrossFit coaches and he said, oh, your granddaughter is so strong. And she said, it's because of Arepas. So good, right? If anyone's listening, they don't know what it is. It's like a cornmeal thing and you can like sell it with cheese and whatever. Oh my God. So good. But there was a the same thing happened to me. I joined CrossFit. People were like, oh, you need to do paleo. You need to do uh, high fat, all this. I completely burnt out trying to manage that training. And when I go back to how I even ate as a kid, oh my, I ran on carbs. Like my whole life was carbs. And I was, you know, a, like a small kid, strong kid. I could eat a million calories a day and I wouldn't gain weight. And so I was like, why did I just change this? And, you know, like it's going, I, I think that is a interesting perspective and people jump from fad diet to fad diet. But if they work with someone like you and they know more about their heritage, they know more about the things that work for their specific body, then they can realize that there's not like one diet that's just going to work for everybody across the board. Right. Right. And I think that's really the main thing about, you know, our health is really getting back to ourselves, really getting back to our intuition, you know, really getting back to who we are as a human being and put athlete on the side. It's really just getting back to our roots and seeing what works for us and not be so derailed by outside things and information and all that kind of thing, because that can also really affect our performance. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I'd love to yeah dive now into gut health. Cause I know that's something that you're an expert on and you've already talked about it a little bit, but how does our gut, you know, affect our physical performance as well as you know, our mental health and our mental performance? Yeah. So your gut, uh, 75% of your immune system lies in your gut. So basically um, whenever you have a lot of uh, stress going on, um, you have high cortisol levels, basically, you know, there's like, it's like it flips the switch um, in, in, in a lot of activating those stress hormones and things like cortisol. And, and also there's something called the gut brain connection, which is where we make our uh, neurotransmitters. So things like earlier, like I said, serotonin, GABA, um, those types of things um, that helps us with our moods as well um, lies within our gut. So, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but believe it or not, our gut has 500 million neurons um, wow. that's connected to your nervous system. So there's something called the, you know, the vagus nerve. And so the gut and the brain are always in constant, uh, I guess, communication, they're best friends. So uh, if our gut is not um, healthy or not up to par or not absorbing the nutrients that we're supposed to, um, then we need to take a further look on that and see, you know, what is going on. The biggest thing that I see is leaky gut. And that happens with overtraining that happens with, um, you know, malabsorption of nutrients or medications that we're on or um, maybe long-term anti-inflammatories, right? Mm -hmm. So especially with, uh, you know, training, you know, we want to just grab that, you know, that ibuprofen. Well, long-term that can also really wreak havoc on your gut. So things like that, I'm really just kind of unraveling and kind of seeing, you know, where, where is it that we need to really optimize and where do we need to repair Hmm. Yeah. That's a, anti-inflammatories is a big one. When I was, I was 20, went to my doctor and she said, uh, your liver is showing some signs of some sort of like damage. I don't think it was super serious, but she's like, do you drink a lot? And I was like, I don't drink at all. Like at that time I drank nothing. And she's like, well, do you take a lot of anti-inflammatories? I was like, how do you think I get through the day snowboarding? And she's like, seriously. And I was like, yeah, all the time. And, uh, since then, like even, if I go for like when I had wisdom teeth surgery, I like refused to take any anti-inflammatories because that was like a scary wake up call. So, so tell me now, like how many times would you go and go snowboarding? Like, what does that look like as far as training for you? How many yeah. times, how many hours a day? Like, what does that look like? 
Yeah. So when I was, yeah, when I was competing in snowboarding, the training was, I mean, especially when I was younger, I would spend 8am to 8pm on the mountain. Like seriously, I was like all day, just that's all I'm doing. But then as it got, like, once I got onto the national team level and stuff, it was more professional. And so we take one or two days off a week, dependent on the weather. If there was a bad weather week where maybe we're off more days, good weather week. Uh, we try to push it really hard because you just never know, right. With a weather dependent sport. Um, but we usually spend, you know, maybe five, six hours straight on the mountain and you're landing, you know, big jumps, absorbing impacts. And then you go to the gym for a couple hours and, um, yeah, trampoline training. It's, it is pretty crazy and the impacts you're taking on your body. And so, especially when I had like little injuries and you just, especially when you're young, you want to push through them. You never want to take any days off. I used to, yeah, take Tylenol in the morning before I would ride. If there's a competition, I'm like, Oh, I have this foot injury. Let me just take this anti-inflammatory. And that, that totally changed when I went to the doctor. I was like, "Mm, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. And I mean, when, when you would get injured, did you keep that to yourself or did you tell your coaches or anything like that? Or like, again, you said you just pushed through it. So I'm just kind of curious to know what your mindset was during that time. Oh, you know, should I say something? Should I not? Usually they knew of all my injuries, but it was actually like, that's, it's the culture of, of, of you got to keep going, especially in action sports. Like you, if you watched the skateboarding at the Olympics, there was kids in casts and they were still competing. Right. And that's just kind of the, the mentality. And I know even I, that was something, it was one of the reasons why I ended up leaving the sport was I started getting out of that mindset and realizing I needed time to heal. If I hit my head, you know, my coach is saying, I don't think you have a concussion. I'm like, I still feel a headache. And I think that means I need to take the time off to rest. And I had a competition where I broke my ribs and my coaches said, the competition is now delayed two days In two days we can get you on these machines and you'll be good. And I'm like, I don't think my ribs are going to be good in two days. I just want to go home. And, and, um, you know, it's just the culture. It's like, you have these broken bones, whatever, if it's not completely, you know, you're not going to hurt it again, unless you fall on it. It's like, keep going, which is very different. I think in, in CrossFit people push through too, but you notice everything. Like I had a hip injury snowboarding where I could land a jump because it was so fast. The adrenaline was coming. Uh, you land so so quickly that it was no problem, but in the gym, I couldn't even squat an empty barbell. So you notice these things more in the different sports, but action sports just happen so quick. It's like you overcome them and then you finish the day and you're like, Ooh, that was painful. And, and, you know, I tend to do that too. I'll be honest with you. And I, this is where I got in a lot of trouble personally earlier this year, um, was I last year I was during COVID like working out seven days a week. I didn't, I didn't give my body any rest at all. Um, I loved it, but I felt like it's because I was part of a community. I was doing it online and it just made me feel part of, and I just loved the way it made me feel. And it really just got addictive for me. And then, um, there was like, there was like this, uh, 52 mile thing that I did in Las Vegas, you know, to raise, money for sex trafficking with a friend and I ended up doing it. And I did not, I did not take care of myself the way I should have taken care of myself. And, um, I ended up just having later on just a lot of joint pain, um, you know, overtraining, just fatigued. I lacked motivation and just doing it. Um, and even when I was in pain, I would still like, you know, just go train. And, and here I am, you know, saying to people like, no, recovery is really important. And I think that's the thing with, with definitely with, with the mindset of, of an athlete, just really just pushing through no matter what. And I remember a mentor telling me this about Usain Bolt. And he said something like that 50% of his training is recovery. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that, especially with like, uh, like there's such a high CNS demand in sprinting, right? It's not like you need to accumulate triathlon amounts of work. It's like, you want to be fresh. Your nervous system has to be fresh. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So things like, you know, sleep, um, and, and, and utilizing things like also like making sure that your circadian rhythm is healthy and having sunlight, like right when you wake up and then seeing the sunset and, um, having a healthy community, like all these things are really important for our health. You know, they're free and we don't really talk about that. Um, so dialing those things in are, are, are really, really important for, 
for athletic performance. Right. And yeah, I think it kind of goes back to, you know, what you were saying with gut health and the gut brain connection. And I love to talk about how they kind of connect both ways, because like you said, like you can have, you know, issues with the gut and then that's going to affect your mental health, your physical performance, all those things. But it's also, yeah, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, some of the, there's things that you can do with meditation and breath work and relaxing. And like you said, seeing the sun and there's the, the way that you manage your training load and recovery and sleep that you can do, or just your thoughts and everything um, that then affects also your gut and the way you're digesting the food. So how, how can we balance those things when they affect each other? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously when you're training, you're on, you know, you're on it, your nervous system is just on overdrive, right? You're in a sympathetic state. And so one of these things, part of recovery is to also get you in a parasympathetic state, which means kind of just that what we call rest and digest type of thing. So it's also being mindful about, you know, how you're eating your food and not eating it, you know, so quickly, you know, really <laughs> chewing your food, being mindful about what you're eating, what you're putting in your mouth, um, you know, having sunlight in the morning because activating that gland that's in your brain called the pineal gland um, also releases melatonin. I don't know if you know that. And melatonin is a high anti-inflammatory for our body. It's more potent than ibuprofen. So making sure you have that sunlight in the morning and seeing that sunset in the evening to help with our circadian rhythm. Another thing is sleep, right? So there's like this thing that I posted on Instagram. It's like that Chinese clock. It's that circadian rhythm. And there's this period between 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. where our body is actually flushing all of these toxins out of your body from uh, all the overtraining. That, that, you know, athletes do. So making sure that you have really good rest during that time. So that way your liver is working to make sure you're detoxifying as well. Um, and you know what? Community and relationships, like making sure that you really um, are mindful about, you know, who you have in your space and who is part of your energy and, and making sure that you have health, those healthy relationships, because that can also take a whole, uh, a toll in our, in our performance and in our recovery and how we show up as an athlete. So um, to me, that's actually really near and dear because, you know, I've been in a place where I've had unhealthy relationships and um, I don't know if you've read this book called the body keeps score no, but I'll have to mark it down. Yeah. So, um, it's incredible book and it's basically about stress and trauma. And so, um, and that is one of the things that I do ask, uh, my athletes that I work with, I have them do an in-depth, um, intake. Um, you know, so I don't just ask them about like, where does it hurt back pain, all that kind of thing. You know, I ask them about, you know, what trauma they've endured and what stress that they've endured because our tissues and our muscles hold those in holds that stress in and what happens is that our body becomes you know really tight it becomes you know very very tight which makes you more prone to injury that's me <laughs> so incredibly that's me too girl so it is it is just so important to really ask about these things you know what are um what are some of the things that you that you've endured as a child as a child you know what are some of the traumas that you've had you know, um, also with perfectionism, you know, who are you performing for? Are you performing for yourself? Are you performing for other people? Um, so just taking out all the account, I know I'm kind of going in another level here, but that is why I named, named elevate, uh, performance medicine, because I don't want to just elevate people on a, you know, with their health. I want to elevate them on a mental standpoint, because I truly feel like that is really where um, a lot of uh, issues come about, you know, when it, when, um, when we talk about our health is more about our history and, um, and our traumas. 
Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I truly believe that everything is connected and what you said, especially about community, um, it really hit home because for example, like I wear a, a whoop band and I've worn it for probably four years. So I have so much data that I can go back on and sure. Exactly. Yeah. And what I found or found was very interesting was, so this past month I've been, or I guess I'm just over two weeks in of like doing a running everyday challenge, but people think you're like, okay, are you running like super far every day, like overexerting? And I'm like, no, I'm going, like, I have my CrossFit training. I'm doing my running, but some days it's literally a mile. That's it. And slow. Some days it's like some more interval work. Other days, for example, Sunday running was the only thing I did. And I just did, you know, a slow 4k kind of thing. So I'm not pushing it in any means. I'm trying to do it more as recovery runs, but just to build some volume of running and the mindset around it. But Yesterday, uh, I had, for example, physio super early. So I didn't eat my breakfast at my right time. I had all this tons of work done at physio that was, you know, pretty draining with needling and different things. Um, and then, uh, but then I ended up going and visiting my brother at his work. It was his birthday, um, and doing that. And then I came back, squatted pretty heavy. The humidity was super high. I did a workout. Uh, I felt like I never had time to chill. I like ran between things and then met my whole family for a big, you know, patio, birthday dinner for my brother and some of my brother's friends. And I, I woke up this morning thinking my recovery would be bad because of like, Oh, I was running around. I did so much stress physically, but because of that community aspect and where I was able to just relax and spend time laughing with them and doing this, I had such a good recovery today. My recovery was green. It was, you know, and I've noticed that whenever I am spending time just with people and like phone down, uh, doing all those things, even if I had a physically hard day, usually my recovery is pretty good because of that community aspect. So that's like not to be overlooked, I think. It isn't. It isn't. And there was a study that was actually that has shown that social isolation is equal to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Oh, ouch. Yeah, that I is rough. That paper, it is, it is incredible. It is wow. incredible. And we are more isolated than ever. And especially with, you know, again, like with COVID, what happened and, and also just um, our, our phones. We're so tied to this device that just, absolutely rules our, our, our attention. And we're so distracted. Yeah. Like, and I can tend to do that too. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be more mindful about it. Um, especially with my business, you know, the phone is a really big thing for me. Um, so just, you know, being conscious about and being mindful about, you know, putting the phone away at times and just kind of like, yeah, just enjoying a walk outside without yeah. having to like throw, scroll through Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's been huge. And last night was one of the nights I was able to like three hours phone in my purse, just hanging with family. And that rarely, rarely happens. And right. it was cool to see that bounce. Um, I'd love to talk when it comes to gut health, are there like certain foods that help certain supplements and, or certain actions? Like, is there like kind of like a, I know obviously everything is super personal, but like just a list of general recommendations that can help people with their gut health. Yeah. So, um, our gut loves things like short chain fatty acids. And so one way to really increase short chain fatty acids is through high fiber foods. We, we talk so much about protein, 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 but we really need to dial in a lot of more fiber foods, you know, typical American gets, um, maybe 15, 10, if they're lucky, um, we really need to be hitting more 30 grams okay. a day. So really looking, uh, towards doing that and you can get it through whole grains, nuts, obviously fruits and vegetables, um, are really good sources of that. Um, things that our, our gut loves is fermented food. So things like, you know, kefir, yogurt, kimchi, um, uh, omega threes, mm -hmm. omega three fatty acids. Uh, not only is that great for your health and your brain, um, but it also, um, there was a study that showed it's just as potent as an anti-inflammatory. So, uh, doing, doing some, uh, omega three fatty acids, um, is also beneficial as well. Um, things like polyphenols, like, uh, cacao, green tea, mm. uh, olive oil. Um, there are studies I've shown coffee. So, I mean, I have my coffee right here. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not guilty about my third cup today, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but coffee is a really good polyphenol is what they talk about because it, 
Um, it helps with, um, with the health of the gut and helps with inflammation uh, while training. And also the last thing I would say would probably be things like um, increase your tryptophan. So things like, um, you know, eggs or mm. turkey, um, things that would also help with your serotonin, um, your serotonin. So which serotonin is in our gut. So um, eating those types of foods are, are, are very helpful. Is this, uh, is this good? I'm drinking kombucha. Kombucha, yeah. Okay. It's fermented. It's fermented. Um, I've tried kombucha and, you know, I just, I think I just need to find the right, <laughs> what, what is that? What, uh, what are you drinking? This one is what? a ginger turmeric. Do uh, you like that flavor? I do like that flavor. I used to oh, make I it think, myself, I, but it is too much work. So I quit. <laughs> I stopped. <laughs> You used to make kombucha yourself. Yes, but it's such a process. Wow. Like it takes so long and uh, I stopped making it for a year, but I kept like the mother. And if anyone drinks kombucha has never seen the mother, it might change your mind <laughs> about <laughs> drinking it. But it, oh, oh my gosh. It, you it know what? You're going to recipe then. Yeah, I, we had to throw it out. We had to throw the mother out. It was just too gross after not using oh it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And, and also another thing is, is um is probiotics and uh you know having a good a good probiotic but i always go back to food you know just you know probiotics onions is a probiotic i mean there there are so many foods out there that have the or the prebiotic um for our for our gut but um i know for me whenever um or some of my clients that do have um some things that I'm treating like bacteria or yeast in their gut, I have to give them, you know, a probiotic uh, to, okay. to heal their gut. So that's one of the biggest things. Yeah. That's the one thing I've been curious as I hear a lot of experts say, you know, everyone should take a, a probiotic. And the only times I've, I've tried probiotic a couple times after when I had to take antibiotics for something. And so I took probiotics afterwards, but probiotics are like, they're not cheap when it comes to supplements, like vitamin D omega three, pretty, pretty affordable. And probiotics has just been the one I haven't really stuck with, but would you say it's like, take care of the food or would you say for a higher level athlete, like, okay, probiotic is pretty game changer. You should invent, make the investment. Yeah. I mean, I would say, and, and to be honest with you, I haven't read that many studies for me to just say, yeah, do this. I'm going to be completely honest, but my gut instinct is telling me, yes, if you are training, then definitely I think a probiotic won't hurt you at all, you know, because, right. um, you, when you're training, you're, you're doing some damage to your gut sometimes. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I would, I would say, you know, doing 50 billion a day would not, would not hurt you at all. Okay. Yeah. That's some good advice for, for athletes, um, out there. And even for myself, for sure. Um, because I think, you know, we get thrown so many supplements and so many companies and they're marketing everything. Right. And so it's deciding which are the main ones and also deciding, especially as an athlete, if you do want to get those 1% improvements, what are the ones that, you know, if you can afford it and they're not, there's not that chance of a downside or harm, then, you know, might as well go for it. So maybe that's a good segue into getting into supplementation, actually. And then also we got to also dissect what the, what the word supplement means. It's to supplement, it's to add supplementation to what you're already doing. So dialing in really the basics first of your nutrition and then seeing and then for me, you know, whenever I test my athletes, seeing where those deficiencies are and um, saying, okay, we need to add this because things like also, you know, B vitamins, I don't know if you know, but stress, chronic stress uh, can deplete you of especially B6. So your Bs can get depleted. So sometimes food is just not enough. They need a little bit more support to help them with, with, with that supplementation. Right. Well, I, it's funny because I, for example, I had a, a pro triathlete on the podcast and we were joking about how there's kind of like the whole scale of there's, you know, unhealthy, there's healthy, and there's like chasing elite athletics. And mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're the most healthy because you're a pro athlete an Olympian or whatever it is. He was like, I struggle with walking up the stairs all the time. And I'm like, me too, sometimes like, <laughs> you know, um, and, and it's so sometimes you do need those things to supplement because you're pushing your body past that optimal health level. And so you do want to bring it back in some ways. 
So when it comes to, uh, you talked about fiber, fiber is an interesting one, I think, because a lot of athletes, for example, they get touted to take whey protein or just take protein. And when you're using that as like a replacement, there's no fiber in there. You're just taking liquid meals and you're not getting that fiber benefit. But at the same time, sometimes if you're in between training sessions, you do just want the quick thing. So how can people get more fiber in their diet and should they be doing it spread out from their workouts or is it safe to do like in between? Cause I know people want they do want some of those, like, you know, just the liquid carbs or the liquid shake in training or in between, you know, you have two hours to recover between a session or something like that. Yeah. I mean, there's things also that you can put in your shake. I mean, there's things like psyllium husk or, I mean, if you're actually doing like a smoothie, just, you know, make sure that you're more conscious about maybe putting some things like spinach in there or, um, you know, there's so many powders out there right now that do have like condensed um, you know, vegetables, uh, that do have fiber in them. Um, but you know, it really just also depends on the time of, um, you know, your training. So if you, you know, you, some people are just like, well, I don't want to eat too many fruits and vegetables. It makes me bloated. So really just timing that to where your comfort level is going to be, because also fiber can stimulate you wanting to go to the restroom and all that kind of thing. So you just have to be mindful about the timing about that. Okay. Yeah. So I've seen, um, for example, uh, there was a team, they came fourth of the CrossFit games this year and three of the four are vegan. And they're actually, I was on a team with two of them, uh, in 2019. Um, and I just find it very interesting when you see Tom Brady is eating very plant-based now, a lot of these athletes have moving towards maybe not veganism, but plant-based diets, especially when it comes to the topic of recovery and inflammation and sustaining performance or improving performance, even at an older age where you might be getting more inflammation than when you were younger, could handle more training volume. What are your thoughts about, you know, the plant-based diet and managing inflammation in general? Oh, this is a touchy subject. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, it is <laughs> for a lot of people because then it starts. Okay. So this is the thing there's, if it works for you, then it works for you. Right. And I really won't know what works for you unless I test and see if it is working for you. Right. So I know for me personally, I, I was on a plant base myself and, um, and you know, my ferritin levels were just, my iron levels were just so low. It doesn't matter how much I supplement. If I was not getting my animal protein in, I would just feel so tired and so fatigued. And then on top of that, I did mitochondrial testing. So I wasn't oxidizing fatty acids and the only way to really oxidize it is through carnitine, which is found in meat. And so that's just me. So I don't want to ruffle any, you know, vegan feathers or anything like that. What I say is just ask yourself, how do you feel? You yeah. know, if you feel, if it's, if, if you are performing well and you're feeling well, then by all means, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, it, I mean, that's just as simple as that. Yeah. Right. And like, like you said before, historically we're hunter gatherers. And so, you know, now we're adapting to different diets based on where you're from, or, you know, if you can make veganism work for you, or if you, yeah. I mean, now there's people doing the carnivore only diet, which is interesting. I've <laughs> seen a few people doing that, but it's working for some people, right. And everyone is different. There's not one blanket, you know, approach like, Hey, everyone, you got to all eat like this. If you want to be an athlete, this is the only way to eat. It's just not, not the case. And that's why, I mean, there's incredible people like you who are individualizing these things towards people. Right. Right. And, and things like, like I'm conscious about what eggs I eat, you know, I have to get the one that's pasture raised. Um, I think it's called vital something okay. it's called, but, um, it's, you know, it's different than eating just the regular, regular eggs. It really does work differently on our cells and on our cholesterol levels, you know? So the quality of also the food that we eat is just as important. Right. Right. And, and same thing with, I know that's been a big one for me is, is 
eating meat, it's like, where did it come from? And trying to figure out some of those things and making sure it's not with just antibiotics and uh, all these different things stabbed into it. And um, how was the animal treated? Like it, it does matter to me. I know my stress. <laughs> yes, exactly. Have cortis, high cortisol levels. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because my aunt, she always taught me that. Like she always taught me that. And where they used to live, we used to be able to walk to their neighbors and get fresh yeah. eggs and all those things. And my dad is the opposite where he's like, who cares? Like, and it was so funny because when I used to live at my parents' house, I would, I would buy like grass fed, I would buy organic and he like refused. He's like, no, we buy the Costco cheap. So I would hand him like a $5 bill. Like I would pay the difference on everything that I wanted or, and then sometimes we just separate it. Cause I was like, I, this is what I want. And so I'm willing to pay the extra difference. Good for you. But it was pretty funny. I remember. 100%. That's what that's what makes you different than the others. Well, it's it's important. We used to have an amazing grass fed butchery actually in Ottawa, and um, they used to have a deal. So when I was a student, they had a student deal, and uh, it ended up I calculated down to the dollar of how much getting all this grass fed meat and then making it into burgers, and then <laughs> having them in the freezer for the whole summer for the cottage, as we usually spend most of our summers at a cottage when I was growing up. And uh, I told my dad, okay, the difference is like three dollars by the end of the summer between your Costco burgers and these. He's like, okay, give me $3. I was like, oh, you're serious? <laughs> so I gave him the $3 and I made all these burgers and we had them. They were great. It was not as thick and juicy as the Costco, but they were really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I always say, you know, pay now and not later, you know, especially when it comes to our health and stuff like that. So just you know, pay the extra dollars right now to really, you know, for, you know, put in some good things in your, in your body versus paying later and going to a doctor. Right. Now, when it comes to the topic, I know you made a post recently about fatigue and I thought that was really interesting. You talked about B6 and adrenals and um, different things. How can we manage as athletes, but also as, you know, people, everyone is doing something where they, maybe they're working on their computers or they're trying to perform at a high level, whatever they want to do. And energy is such a big part of that. And that's been something I've noticed more and more, even during, like I've been dealing with injury over the past two years. And when I spent a long time just doing more working than actually training, I was noticing how energy was more important to me actually then because I need to be mentally clear and be able to, you know, focus on the computer all day rather than, you know, have music and going to the gym and grinding and that kind of thing was getting me energized outside of just like what I was eating. So how can people manage their fatigue levels, um, whether they're training and doing that physical output or they're just mentally, you know, doing a ton of things all throughout the day? How can they make sure that they don't hit this late afternoon crash? Yeah, so one of the things that I look at is is triggers. So I have my athletes do like a seven day diet log and I wanna make sure, I wanna see you know what they're eating because there's certain foods that can make you more tired. So things that are like, you know, obviously, you know, processed foods or if they're, um, doing some energy drinks or, um, sugar. So I look at things like that. Um, I also look at things like, you know, HRV mm. variability. So you talk about your, you know, your tracking and all that kind of thing and, and seeing, you know, where, where they're, where they're at with that, with their recovery, are they, how they're sleeping. Um, and I think that's like the biggest thing for a lot of people, whether you're an athlete or not, is how are, how are you sleeping? Because sleeping is where we are recovering. That's where we're resting and that's where we're repairing. So if we're not getting sufficient amount of sleep and, you know, we're exposed to blue light at night and it takes a while for our melatonin level to go up because you need your melatonin uh, level to go up at night in order for you, for your body to say, okay, it's time to go to bed now. Right. Versus that blue light can really trigger elevated cortisol levels and it tells our body, Hey, it's daytime. You don't need to go to sleep. So, um, so being mindful about that sleep hygiene and making sure that you're getting some really, really good rest is, is really important. So I would say those are the biggest things is looking at the diet, looking at heart rate variability and sleep. 
Okay. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they don't track these. Even I know a lot of pro athletes, not in the sport of CrossFit because it's just so meticulous, but in other sports where they have no idea what they've eaten or how it affects them. And I'm like, you spend so many hours on your training, on your sport, that's their livelihood. Like if you just journaled more and paid more attention to what you're doing, you could figure out the patterns and seeing, Oh, every day when I eat cheese, I've noticed like that really affects me. And then I have no energy in this. And it's like, Oh, maybe you have a lactose intolerance or maybe something, but yeah. Another thing. Yeah. So that's why I also look at things like food sensitivity, right? So, um, you know, I measure that and I look at food sensitivity and I see, you know, what are some of the things that maybe that could be kind of slowing you down or making you feel just run down throughout the day. Um, and then also another thing is I look at, uh, glucose, I do glucose monitors. Oh, yeah. um, so I do that. And I look and see if there's a lot of insulin spikes throughout the day. So again, that goes back to, you know, what foods are really triggering us where we're constant state of just, you know, elevated, you know, glucose. Um, so yeah, taking a lot of the that data and, and seeing where, where we need to make adjustments is, is important, but I mean, as far as fatigue, again, I know as cheesy as it sounds, just listen to your body, you know, um, listen to your body, um, and, and get those biomarkers, look and look at your B vitamins, you know, look at your, uh, hormone hormones can also be a really big thing, um, for a lot of people. Um, so getting that checked and making sure that you get to the root cause instead of just, you know, you know, rushing after, you know, more of these energy drinks or, you know, trying to push through because your body is trying to tell you something. Right. No, I I think it can't be overstated. Like it's, it's the simple things that need to be stated over and over again, because we forget about it. And uh, even with modern marketing, it's pushing the fancy things. And we forget that, like you mentioned earlier, getting outside with the sunlight, seeing the sunset, uh, getting good sleep, listening to your body. Those are the most important things. And we often forget about those things and chase the small, small half percentage things instead of those, those big things. Yeah. Go out in the morning, put your feet on the ground, do some grounding, get, get really connected to the earth. Those, those types of things are, are very important. Yeah. Well, before we wrap this up, I want to also talk about um, peptides because I saw you posted about it and it got me really curious because I think like every sport nutrition company now is like (laughs) peptides, peptides, peptides. And I've heard a ton about it. I've heard, you know, I've heard good things. I've heard different things. I've, I, am I I incorrect that there's like some, are some peptides like banned? I'm not sure. Um, I I know that there's, you know, people saying peptides are like legal doping and then there's other people are like, no. So could you give me just a quick rundown on peptides? So yes, I, I do utilize peptides. Um, but that's after I just look at, you know, athletes triggers and saying, you know, what is causing inflammation, um, so I, I never use anything without really addressing that, um, the peptides, things like BPC 157 that I like to use. Um, I've actually reached out to a couple of colleagues and said, Hey, you know, is this like on the water list? Because I don't see it on the water list, but yet to be honest with you, I'm really, um, I'm just really conscious about not using it if they are competing because I don't, again, I just don't want anyone to get in trouble because the next thing you know is like, it's on the list. And then, yeah, yeah. And then, then and that can really affect their careers. So um, BPC 157 is really, really good for inflammation. It's something that we naturally make in our gut anyways. So um, I don't think that it is, um, I have to be careful with saying this. Uh, I don't think that it's something, well, what I, I know that it's not banned, but I have not utilized it in an athlete where tested sport that they're that, yeah, that are being tested in sport right now. So, right. Yeah. That's, that's always, I mean, that's always been my concern. Like even as I haven't really been tested in CrossFit, I got tested all the time as a snowboarder, but as I'm like, okay, if I get back to competition, I always have always just been so cautious about what I take and making sure it's NSF certified and, and all those things. But it is interesting. Cause I, yeah, I listened to a, a podcast recently with, uh, I don't know if you listened to Dr. Andrew Huberman, uh, the Huberman lab podcast, but I love it, but he was talking, I, I think he was, oh, well, I guess he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. So maybe it wasn't on his, but he was talking about peptides and different things. 
And it was the same thing. He couldn't really say if it was, if, if it was allowed or not. And that's, that's always a concern because you hear about supplements, even really natural supplements that are really performance enhancing. And you're like, Oh, that's amazing. But you never know when they could just decide to add it and then backdate adding things. Right. And that's like, yeah, even things like the cordyceps, right? Because there was the Chinese women's soccer team actually won one year and they all used cordyceps and they all attributed to mm-hmm. using cordyceps. Um, and I'm just like, you know, their, you know, life cycle makes great adaptogens, right? Right. Um, and no, I'm not sponsored by them or anything like that. It's, it's, I just, again, like, I just get really weary about, okay, is this really the time to, you know, give this to the athlete? Uh, I had one recent one that um, was, you know, going to the Olympics and asked me about, you know, NAD therapy and can I, can I do NAD and all that kind of thing. And, and I said, you know what, I can't, because number one, they're going to look at the osmolality of your they could test you for that. You know, they could test you to see if you are taking in extra fluids. It doesn't matter if it's like, you know, normal saline or lactated ringers through your IV. If your osmolality of your blood is at a certain level, then you might be disqualified. Um, or if there's any tampering. So it just, again, I'm really, really careful about this stuff. And that's why I do what I do. And you know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse in disguise to take care of athletes. Um, there is a lot of things that I do have to, you know, read and that I have to keep up with and it is a responsibility. So it's, it's something that, um, again, you know, if I know that, um, that this could even be a 1% risk, I don't take that risk at all. Yeah, no, well, I appreciate you uh, talking about these things and mentioning them because it is very important. And a lot of people, you know, even people will think that at the highest level, everyone is super aware, but it's actually not necessarily the case. When I was, I was at junior world championships for snowboarding. I had, uh, I was really sick and the physio wanted to give me some medicine. So luckily I didn't take it. It was just like a, I think it was like a cold effects or something. And which actually was a sponsor of the team, but it was some sort of like cold medicine, but I took it and gave it to our, uh, like the, the national team coordinator. And I said, Hey, before I take this, can you like just double check like the list and make sure it's not banned. And little, like little did we know it was banned in competition. So yeah. if I would have taken that just for my cold, I could have been like banned from the sport for four years, which would have been insane. So it's, it is like the honus of the athlete that check these things, because even at that level where we have water, we have all these things still like a physio just was said, Oh, Hey, here, yeah, take this like medicine. And that could have been like really bad. Yeah. And did anybody overlook your health or anything like that, or did any testing or gut testing or anything like that when you were training or any lab work or biomarkers or anything? No. No. Yeah. They don't do uh yeah. I mean even unless you get hurt and then you get a sports med doc right on board, right? Exactly. Exactly. You get hurt and then it's it's reactive, right? And that's the case in a lot of sports. Some sports are very different. I would assume maybe in like track and field where it really it's you know it's a science and it's how do you get that extra half half a second? Um that it might be a little bit different. But yeah, I always thought that that's like, you know, those things matter. For example, I was one of the only snowboarders who really enjoyed training in the gym. And now some of them realize after they tear their ACLs that it's important. But I watch when I watch uh, my event at the Olympics, like slope style snowboarding, and I see someone fall in their second run where they should have landed. I'm like, I know if you, if you squatted more, you would have landed that. And they don't realize that unless they got hurt, they say, okay, well now I realize I got hurt. I should have strengthened my knees, so on and so forth. But it's like, imagine how much longer into the day you could ride and imagine that added up day after day after day, how much better you would be. And then when it mattered at the competition, if you could just have that extra energy or that extra strength or endurance to land that trick on your third run, um, on the last jump, that's, that's the gold medal, but you lost it because you just didn't understand. And so having doctors and, and people who understand that, uh, it's just, it would be so much, it would take the level of those sports that haven't really gone to that level, um, to, to that next height. And I think that's, 
that we'll see that for sure over the next, you know, hundred years, yeah. the level of every sport will be just astronomical. Like we think the sports are old, but you know, they are, but actually when we go back to how old the earth is, like these sports haven't been around that long. Right. There's even like pro football is like our generation, our grandparents' generation, that's it. But imagine once it's 10 more generations, how like the game will be changed. And, and also having the cohesiveness of just having what health means, you know, and for the athlete and having, uh, you know, team, team physicians and coaches and, you know, mental health therapists and, um, just being constant dialogue with each other. I think that's so important. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So I have two uh, questions I always like to ask at the end. Um, the first one is out of all like the habits that you have, uh, in your day, what is like that one non-negotiable or the one game changer habit for you? Taking a walk. Hmm. Yes. I think that's been really big for people, especially during the pandemic. Never seen more people on the streets walking in my life. (laughs) Well, it's because I think it taking a walk, it requires me to slow down because I'm very energy driven and performance driven and I love to train and taking a walk just reminds me to slow down. Yeah. No, so important. Listening to music too. Oh yeah. That's true. That is good. That's like, uh, no, that's what running has been sometimes to me. Like I just go running late in the day and just have some music on and, and just running lightly. And it's, it is really nice just to like, just to get some music and tune out and, you know, see trees and be out there. Awesome. Absolutely. So the last one is your let's the scenario is you're kind of like at the end of your life, you're looking back, who knows, maybe with everything you're eating and the newest science in 50 years, maybe you'll live till 200, but you're looking back. Um, what is that impact that you wanted to have made? Looking back at, I'm trying to understand the question, like looking like, back. like you're late in your life and you're just looking back over everything you've done. What's the impact that you wanted to have made like in the world on yourself, family, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That I was a, that I was just a person that someone could connect with on a non-judgmental basis. Like mm-hmm. I want them to remember me as like, okay, this person was just completely just full of empathy and kindness and just non-judgmental. Mm, I love that. I think we need many more of those in the world, like more people who just listen and help others heal and be their best is just so important. So really appreciate you for doing that in, in the world and especially, you know, with athletes um, and just with people in general, helping them with their physical and their mental health. Cause it's all, like you said, it's, it's all connected and having somebody that they can talk to and work on some of these issues. Cause if we don't have our health, we don't have anything really. So it just Absolutely. so, so important. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you yes. so much. This was awesome. Yeah, this was great. I've, I've learned a lot. I'm sure the audience will learn a lot. And uh, last. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. We'll go ahead. Ask your question. I was going to ask you a question. Okay. Okay. Well, first, where can people find you if they want to find out more about your, your company? Yeah. So I'm really active on Instagram. Um, and it's just my name at Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E dot last name, A-W-A-D underscore. So at maggie.awad underscore. And then my, um, I have a website. Uh, it's www.elevate2perform.net. And the two is the number two. Perfect. I will put that in the show notes, the website and the Instagram. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And then my, and then my question is to yeah. you, is what made you come up with the name All In? Yeah. Um, so Gollin has really changed for me over the years of what it means as a kid. Uh, my mom would call me Fevrua, which is like Spanish for feverish. And it's like someone who's just so dedicated and passionate. Like if I got hockey equipment, new hockey equipment, when I was a kid and played hockey, I would sleep in it. Like I slept with my hockey stick (laughs) and my new gear, right? Like I was just obsessed with, with what I was passionate about, what I wanted to do. And so, um, my parents always just said, Oh, you know, they use all in as a way to describe me like I was always all in or I want to be a snowboarder so I'm quitting competitive hockey I'm quitting everything like that is what I want to do and I'm gonna you know fail or fly whatever it's gonna happen and then I think it's kind of adapted because some people think you know all in means no balance like you're just 
that's it. And and that, but for me, it's like all in is just being totally invested in, in your growth in in the world and what your goals are. Um, and that can mean balance for sure. And that looks different yeah. for everybody, but it's, it's not being half in. It's not, it's, it's being unafraid to fail and, and, um, being able to, to go all in and, and same thing with these conversations, being able to go all in with the guests that are on and, um, about their expertise on their stories, mindset, all those kind of things. I love it. And the reason why is because that is actually that motto is what made me create elevate performance medicine. And it's love because it. coach, he's like, you got to go all in on all in. Like yeah. you have to do that because for so long I've dabbled in so many things. And once you go all in as scary as it is, man, just things, you just start doing whatever it takes to, to, you know, to help with your mission and that vision that you create, that you want to create for yourself. Yes. I love that. It's amazing. That's awesome. And I think once you've gone all in once, it's so much easier to do it again, right? Like once you've like burned the ships, done it, if your passions change or you want to do something else, it is, it it just, that's when people say, Oh, I'm scared to start a business or I'm scared to do this. I'm like, if you have made that decision once it gets easier to do it again and again. And yeah, yeah. absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your knowledge and uh, hope people will check you out and check out what you do. Thank you. Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.